Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Beautiful day here in Los Angeles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Look, you don't need me to tell you that. <laughs> you live in Los Angeles, you know. You don't you know. live in Los Angeles, you go on weather.com, you type in <laughs> zip code 90048. Well, or I mean, 90006. If you're a real weather fan, you go on Weather Underground. <laughs> okay. Which, by the way, they've shortened to W Underground oh. or Wonderground. Is that a 60s revolutionary group? That's a weird thing about how it's the name huh. of that website. Okay. But it's a nicer website than weather.com. Sure. You get the weather from that beautiful uh, weather lady, Patty Hearst. <laughs> <laughs> right? Am I... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, you got you're right there. You're good. It's a strange thing for them to have named their website on. Yeah. After a long, long time ago, get a nice hourly forecast mm-hmm. with a little picture. Yeah, you know, like Weather Underground. It gives you gives you more uh, localized weather. Oh, is this an actual website? Oh yeah, no, this is a real website. <laughs> Called the Weather it's so Underground. Weird name that. Do they have like a okay, like a ticking time bomb? Is their logo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess like I'm. I've moved on. I mean, obviously, maybe they just you know. Didn't really look into what that meant or what it stands for or just kind of assumed everybody forgot. Um, but because they added underground is the idea that this is edgier. This is hipper. This is like kind of a, a I, young person's weather site. I think it's the weather site for people who care about weather. Oh, I'll gotcha. tell you what. Sure. I had a friend. Not fair weather weather fans. No. <laughs> you wouldn't want a fair weather weather fan on the weather underground. Weather fans probably hate fair weather, don't you think? Oh, yeah. They like extreme weather. Um, my middle school friend, Cameron Laughlin, uh, he always wanted to be, he loved weather more than anything. And he would hmm. tell you, like, he'd be like, I love weather. And you'd be like, what does that even mean? Yeah. We're 12. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess. Um... <laughs> but wait, I, I became Facebook friends with him not long ago. He's a fucking meteorologist. He's a TV meteorologist in like Phoenix or something. He achieved his dream. He's living That's like his, his dream. number one. Yeah, but if you're a weather loving kid, the thing you want to be the most is the weatherman. I mean, now to be is. fair, when I was like 12, if you said, What do you really love? I would have said, Bullshit. Just talking bullshit for hours on <laughs> You've end. You've done it. You've and achieved I'm, your dream. Here I am. Yeah. I'm Jordan Jesse Go today. Um, let's introduce our guest on the program. His name, uh, wait, no, I'll do his name last. Okay. Uh, credits first. Credits first. He's in town here for the Emmy Awards, uh, for which he was nominated along with his uh, compatriots from the program The Daily Show uh, with – I'm forgetting his name. John Stewart. Right. Yeah, right. I wanted to say – I yeah. Wait, wait. I wanted to say John Daly. Sure. <laughs> you were going to say Guy Gardner. You were going to name another Green Lantern. <laughs> Um, he's Guy Fieri. He's the, <laughs> the Daily Show with Guy Fieri. You know, I'm waiting for John Stewart to direct a second film so Guy Fieri can fill in his nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot more about uh, flame and onions. On the show. <laughs> uh, B- B- yeah, the blue cheese prices <laughs> rising um, around the nation. He's also the host of the wonderful podcast, The Flop House, which you should subscribe to. Um, I mean, just go ahead and subscribe to it. I can't tell you why right now. Okay. But I'll say this. It's a teaser. In a few weeks, you'll know why. All right. But also because it's good. Sure. Yeah. There's two reasons. <laughs> One is the reason that you'll find out in a few weeks. The mm-hmm. other reason is because it's good. Oh, this is like a 
Yeah. For enjoyment. You're teasing a sort of post credits sequence. Yeah, this is a, this is a pre-show post credit sequence. Dan McCoy. Hi, Dan. Hello. Thank you. Um, welcome. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I don't mean to be a downer yeah. mm. at the beginning of the program, but there was some, there's something that I've been thinking about a lot over the past <laughs> week. But AIDS. <laughs> it is right Anyway, up, what's going on with you, Dan, now that I've said AIDS? It is sincerely right up there with AIDS, but I figured it would be a, something to mm, talk boy. about right at the beginning yeah, of the sure. show. Um, and just and then we'll play our little music mm-hmm. and uh, uh, kind of reset and reset, and then we can go back okay. into the bullshit. So, I mean, I'm sure you, uh, Dan. I'm I know you. Pro- you're probably follow the news, or maybe you're taking a vacation from the news since you're on hiatus from your show. Um, but I mean, obviously, like the biggest news in the world is what's going on in St. Louis and Ferguson, Missouri, right right now, and um, uh. And I was I, I you know I've basically just been reading about it, um, and I was, and I um, uh, I was feeling it really strongly, and you know I, a lot of people are, um, you know I'm hardly the only person, and um, you know for a lot for a lot of different reasons. I mean it's a really it's a really painful situation from every angle. And um, I was I was thinking about why it was a, f- a f- why I was feeling it so uh, potently deeply so yeah so di- sort of directly <coughs> and I I thought of something that happened when I was a teenager <coughs> um, uh, you know and I was I was going to save it for my other podcast. San Francisco stories with sure. Jesse Thorne, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's something that I've just never—I've uh, literally never talked about with anybody, and it's come up for me a, a few times when this kind of thing has come up in the news. It's come up for the, the feelings have come up in me so strongly, and I think it's because of this thing that happened. Um, and so I thought, you know, it. If I have a venue to talk about it, I should talk about it. So um, basically, uh, when I was in when I was in high school, um, I took classes at San Francisco State, which was right on the campus of my high school. And um, one of the classes was a class uh, that was called History of the Funk, which I know sounds like a made-up class. <laughs> Um, but it wasn't a made-up class. It was an African-American studies class at San Francisco State. And, um, you know, I mean, it was like uh, – it was both weird and amazing to be in this class because it was weird because even though I guess the other people in the class were only like two years older than me, I was 17 and they were 19. And there's just like a thousand years difference between that. And uh, one of the – you know, it's maybe – this was not a, that big of a class – maybe like a 15 or 18 person class. And um, the class was like, uh, you know, it was like a really special class. Like George Clinton came and one of the kids who made the most impression on me uh, was this guy named Charles. And Charles was like the, um, he was like a, you know, he was like, he was like the the big man on campus in the class. A really sort of uh, fun, boisterous guy, 
Um, uh, and he was very, also very nice to me, um, which, you know, mostly I took a number of these classes, mostly I'd just sit in the back and be quiet because I wasn't a college kid and they were. It was very nice to me and I sort of knew him to say hello. Um, and, uh, and I was very grateful to him for that because it was such an unusual thing. And, um, uh, that was, I, I th- want to say that was the fall semester, my senior year, something like that. And, um, in the spring they had, they had a uh, proof of payment on the, on the, uh, light rail. You know, where you don't – there's no toll gate. You just have to prove where you pay it. And it was new. And so they would have cops come through. We would have cops come through sometimes and, and ask people for uh, proof that they paid. You know, just basically just show me your bus pass. And one time I was standing on the um, platform and um, and the cops were coming through and they asked me for my bus pass and I, you know, I gave them my bus pass. And, um, and this guy, Charles, was, was down the platform a little bit from me. I saw him and recognized him and these two cops. One of them was like a – one of them looked like a, like a cop from a movie, you know, like, like Jay Johnston from Mr. Show when he plays a cop, you know, like yeah. a big white guy with a mustache. And the other guy was this real muscly um, Asian guy. And um, – and they went and asked Charles for his bus pass, and he like he kind of like he kind of like stretched it out, you know, like he was like, "What? Come on," or something like that. I don't even remember. And the cop like got up in his face, you know, and he's like, "Oh, f- whatever, man," you know, whatever or something like that. And he went in his backpack, super slow, to get this to get his bus pass out. But he did, you know, he got his bus pass out. And um, the cop says, show me your ID. And Charles is like, why do I have to show you my ID? And the cop's like, because I asked you to show me, show me your ID. And it started turning into this confrontation between this guy and this cop. And, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I probably didn't mention that Charles was black, but Charles was black. And um, and it was this bullshit thing. It was the most bullshit thing in the world. You know, it's this, it's this cop being a fucking asshole for no reason, literally no reason at all. And, um, and Charles... You know, it's like one of those things. It's like you can see a guy that is, um, you know, scared and trying to be a big man about it. And, um, it, you know, it, it, basically this, this confrontation between these two guys is happening. And people are turning around and being like, why are you hassling this guy or whatever? And the big white cop's partner is kind of pushing people out of the way and, like, clearing a perimeter around this guy I know. And um, and this war of words between the cop and Charles is getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And, you know, I don't know what – I don't know what – I don't remember what God says. It's a long time ago. You know, it's like, man, fuck you or something like that. And the cop grabbed him. 
put the handcuff on one of his wrists, pulled it around his arm, pushed him down on the ground, was on top of him with his knee in his back, cuffed his other wrist. At this point, Charles is like crying out in both in pain and in anger and fear. Um, and I remember him saying, you know, like, you can't do this to me. You can't do this to me like that, that kind of thing. And, um, I, I, I remember him saying, literally saying, um, you know, you can't change me. You can't chain me up like this. Like, you know, this African-American studies student, this, this kid's no, you know, he knows what the fuck is up. He's like, you can't change, you can't chain me up like this. But he's like, he's like angry, but he's like scared and hurt physically hurt and the other kind of hurt and he's i remember at one point he said you know you can't chain me up like a slave is something that he said and um and then he said what are you going to do to me and they they're like we're going to we're arresting you and he's like for what and they're they're like for whatever i don't even remember what the fuck it was for failure to provide a bus pass lack of proof of payment he's like what the fuck and they're like what is that what's going to happen and you know this girl that was there with him is like what's going to happen to him and the the other cop is like we're going to take him down to downtown and process him and um charge him and all this different shit and he's flipping out and they got they've got him down on the ground with a knee in, knee in his back and other people are trying to calm people down but this the other cop is like yelling at people to get the fuck away and then people are like why should we get away like whatever you know and um in the end you know they they took him and took him downtown and you know i presume booked him and i didn't by this time i wasn't in this class with this guy you know like i it was just a guy i knew to say hi you know and um I went home that day to my mom's house and I was, you know, I was really broken up about this because, you know, like I was, you know, I was wary of police officers and I had had a couple of bad experiences with police officers, but I had also had good experiences with police officers. You know, like I grew up in a, you know, one time. I got jumped on the street and when I was like 12 or 13 and, you know, some cops came and they said, you know, there's nothing we can do about it, but we can give you a ride home. You know, so it was – I had had both kinds of experiences. But this really, really messed me up. And um, and I got home and I, I said to my mom, you know, this thing happened at school and I, uh, and I told her about it and I told her what happened. And, um, you know, my mom, my mom gave me the number to like call it in, to call in like a citizen complaint, you know? And I didn't because whatever, you know, I don't know, because I was 17 and I was, the whole thing just had me really shook up and I didn't know this guy and I thought about, oh, you know, should I go talk to our professor about it and... Because he might know this guy's number, and I can just call him and just let him know if he needs my testimony or something. Or, but you know, the fact is that I didn't do any of that shit. And um, and so when this stuff happens, 
you know, I mean, he was, I'm sure he was fine. You know, I mean, physically fine anyway, you know. Like, I, I don't think they, you know, I don't think they beat him up on the way the booking or something, you know. But, um, but it was a, it was a pretty fucked up thing, you know. And, um, and I didn't do anything about it. And so, when this kind of thing comes up, I, f- I feel that mistake that I made then about not doing anything about it. Um, because even though I was 17 and, and whatever, like the truth is that, um, you know, one of the, one of the things about my life is that being a well-spoken white male, um, who, you know, can wear a necktie gives me a power that I can use if I choose to, um, that other people don't necessarily have access to. And, um, and I felt like it was my responsibility to do that and I fucked it up and I don't, you know, I mean, like I said, I was 17 years old, you know, I, it's not that I shouldn't have, it's not that I needed to have done it or, um, or that someone else in my position would have done something differently or whatever. It's, um, but I could have done something. And, um, the reason I decided, ultimately the reason I decided to talk about it was, um, you know, I'm in addition to all of those things that, uh, in addition to all of those things that I have that give me power now is that, you know, we have this show and, um, you know, I think it's a once in a while we talk about something like this as, as much as it's mostly a bullshit thing. Um, and um, just I just wanted to, to say that that happened. And there were two things that I wanted to say. Um, one was I just wanted to say that I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry to Charles that I didn't help him when I had the chance to. Um, and um, the and the other thing I wanted to say was that if you if you are ever in a position where you can help someone. And, um, you know, I don't, I sincerely don't think that it's about, um, you know, police being predatory and people of color being victims in a pure sense or anything like that. But, um, I do think that there's, you know, there's a huge imbalance of power. And, um, if you're ever in a position like the position that I was in, um, you know, even if it's hard um, to do something, it's worth doing something. And I can say that as somebody who um, didn't and then live with it for, you know, whatever it's been, 15 years. Um, and I, because I know that I think about, I think about it. 
And I, you know, I also know that other people have had to live with this much more than I. Um, uh, but if, if you're in a position to do something about it, um, you know, do it and then and you won't have to, you know, you won't have to deal with this. And I don't know, hopefully for me, this is, this is doing something about it now, even though I, d- I didn't do something about it then. So, <sighs> so not quite AIDS. <laughs> um, but there you go. Um, unless you guys have any questions or comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we can take a quick break. And then when we come back, I am sincerely interested in finding out how the Creative Arts Emmys went. <laughs> 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 like I didn't already feel like a privileged <laughs> asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. I didn't look. I didn't I didn't tell this I didn't tell this story to make anyone feel like a dick or like a um or make anyone feel guilty. Your or heartfelt feelings sabotage me, Thorn. <laughs> anyone I just um you know, I mean the th- at the end of the day, like I'm just um I found it – the thing that I found so in, – in, in watching all of this stuff about the situation in Ferguson, the thing that I found most comforting was the number of people who were, who were being brave and standing up for justice and um, – and uh and just doing their best uh to make a contribution when they didn't have to and um you know i think people have made mistakes on both sides um but i it that part of it i found a lot of comfort in so you know i don't think you know you don't have to you know, you don't have to change the course of your life and become a nun. Oh, if you want to, go for it. It's going to be harder if you're a guy. But it's going to be a, better if you're on the lam from the mob. Because then you get to hide out yeah. where they're showering and yeah. see all the nubile young nuns. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking you're on about. The run. I think we just put together an awesome pitch. Yeah. I say we call it nuns on the run. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay. Look, that's all settled. We'll come back with bullshit. In just a second, I'm Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Uh, Jordan Morris, boy detective. Uh, Dan McCoy, mournful sigh. <laughs> I uh, probably should have told Jordan and uh, Dan about that beforehand in retrospect. Things I would have done differently about that. Um, it's like a fun improv game. <laughs> yeah. Dig someone into a hole and then... Um, Instead of yes and you <laughs> nod respectively. Um, hey, I... Uh, here's something really stupid. Uh, just pure, some pure stupidity to get us back in the mood. Uh, the other day I was walking down the street 
and I saw a uh, huge, I'm guessing maybe Samoan guy, uh, shaved head, uh, super intense facial hair, um, and he had a T-shirt that had like uh, Samoan tattoo designs all on it, you know, like a super intense uh, T-shirt. And then in like tattoo writing uh, was written poly lifestyle, um, which I think meant Polynesian lifestyle. Okay. But I prefer to think right. uh, of in so, a sort of Kevin Allison polyamorous context. Polynesian. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? There's fun ways to incorporate poi into <laughs> love making, I'm sure. Is that racist? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. Well, it's hard to say. <laughs> Hard to know whether something's racist when it's literally the only thing you know about their culture. I think sure. the fact that you only know one thing about yeah. the culture is what's racist. Yeah, I should probably, I should probably just find various cultures that I only know of. <laughs> <laughs> I only know their uh, their primary food dish and just mm-hmm. go a little deeper. Main things I'll I know. start with Polynesians and mm-hmm. I'll go from there. Main things I know about Polynesian culture. Bought this recording booth mm-hmm. uh, from a nice uh, Samoan guy. Is that a cultural thing? <laughs> he was well. He was running a Samoan pop music uh, record label out of it, okay. and he gave me some of his CDs. I listened to him. Sound like other people's pop music, only more Samoany. Okay. Uh, number two, watching the Tongan Festival, which uh, took place once a year uh, in my in the park that sits immediately outside of my dad's front windows, uh, and uh, I learned that uh, Tongans are super into cricket. And uh, it's awesome because uh, they, in the, at least in the Tongan festival, they wear traditional Tongan outfits. They include uh, sarongs, which may have a different name in Tonga. Uh, uh, but it's just these enormous dudes in sarongs uh, playing cricket, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and number three, I was always a big fan of Jesse Sapolu, the former 49ers center, because he and I have the same first name. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Three to one, Jordan. I win. <laughs> I don't know how useful any of those things. No, yeah. the, none cricket. of that. I wouldn't characterize any of them as insights. No, <laughs> <laughs> they are things. Um, Dan, tell. I do want to know about the uh, about the Emmy Awards. You went last night. Now, this was there are two Emmy Awards yeah. ceremonies. There's uh, well, there's you know, there's three. There's the daytime ones, which oh, already happened. Oh, sure. And then there are two. The primetime Emmys are split into two. And there's the Creative Arts ceremony that is not televised live it will be televised one week later on fx movies so <laughs> that's not a real check your local cable provider so between the showings of taken and avatar mm-hmm. you can watch uh yeah you can watch <laughs> what i assume is a heavily edited version of the sure. of arts emmy since it was nearly four hours do they have a host uh no it's it's just rotating celebrities coming out to present awards but this is what this is the technical categories and writing for a variety uh, comedy series is in the creative arts half the time. It's is one it, year on, one year off. Is it always the same people, the same groups of people nominated? Is it always like – how many are there, five? Uh, I think it's one of those categories where it doesn't – there's not necessarily a cap. Like I think at the most we've had seven, but it's usually around <laughs> Wow. Five. Okay. So yeah. you're looking at what? We're talking about Daily Show – Colbert, mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. Well, this year was not Saturday Night Live. What? No. We had a daily Saturday show. Night Live. Saturday Night Dead. Right, guys? <laughs> Colbert, uh, Fallon, Portlandia, Amy Schumer, and Key and Peele were all up. Good that lineup. That's a pretty solid yeah. group of shows. No. They, they actually picked pretty good shows. Yeah. I, 
I don't want to get into judging other shows, but for the most part, I would have been happy yeah. losing to any of them. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. a when you consider the the jackasses who are voting on <laughs> and picking these things. Hey, I'm a member of the Academy. Now. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, but I think the thing is with the with those those voting bodies is that they're mostly older people, right? Like that's yeah. they're all you know. No matter how many young people come in, it's always just you know. Guys who wrote a couple episodes of Airwolf in the seventies, and I know I took a, a music business class at at UCSC, and the guy who taught it was in the recording academy, mm-hmm. and he would vote on the Grammys just by taking a poll of his class because he had never heard of any of the artists. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's an aging body, and also I feel like the people who have time to vote. On stuff are the retirees. So, well, I guess I, I guess I vote shot. in the I vote in the SAG awards every yeah. year. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just I a, vote in the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> every year. I don't want to brag about yeah. that. <laughs> I'm on the board of the Entertainment yeah, Awards the, for me. Thank you very much, <laughs> Brene Brith for me. I got a, I have, I got I'm a, a fake I'm a ID. fake Jew. I got a fake ID to vote in the Kids Choice Awards. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly voted for slime. <laughs> a lot of slime. Whether or not they should be slimed, you voted yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's something where you don't have to have seen everything. Like if you know, if I've seen one of the movies, that's usually the one I vote for. Yeah. So sorry to reveal what a sham the SAG Awards is. I know it's everybody's favorite night of glitz and glamour. Have True. you now? I know that you. I know that you didn't walk home with the trophy this year. No. But the Daily Show's nominated almost pretty much every year, right? Uh, it's. Yes, I mean I don't I, I I don't know what the streak is, but um, it, I've been there for three years and I've been nominated all three years and I've won my first year. Oh, so I feel bad for the guys who joined the show after me, but <laughs> on the other hand, I just don't I don't give a shit sort of now. Where do you keep your Emmy? Uh, I have it on my sideboard. Okay. Um, okay. It's uh, propping up some uh, cookbooks that I also have next to my alcohol. So. <laughs> Yeah. Have you thought about chopping off the Emmy's head, mm. hollowing out, hollowing it out, and filling it with booze? <laughs> uh, as and then like be a, ca- really careful not to spill the booze. Yeah. As like sort of a flask, like a really inconveniently shaped flask. Sure. Yeah. That just, can carry around. Just put it in your back pocket when you go to an outdoor music festival. What? No, this is just my Emmy. Yeah. There's no booze. Sir. This is an everyday average Emmy. <laughs> Something you would you probably see every day, officer. Yeah. Now, excuse me, I'm going to go behind the porta potty and suck on its head. I would like for you to become a spy, mm-hmm. and you go. The KGB is turning you into some kind of counter spy, yeah. and the guy says to you, "What is one object that you carry around everywhere you go, but would be perfect to hide the microfilm?" <laughs> and you're like Miami. Yeah, I do. I. I was. It did occur to me before coming here that the one year I uh, I won was the year I was not invited to come here on Jordan Jesse Go. So you guys may mm. be a jinx. Mm. That's true. I mean, I did I did set this up with Dan pretty pretty well in advance, and I mm-hmm. guess last year too. So yeah, okay. You're you've hexed me. You're out next year. Mm-hmm. Next year you're going on. I don't know. Totally lame. <laughs> we'll see how that. Uh, we'll see how that. Uh, what that does for your chances. You know what? Let's go one step further. You're going on totally mommy. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's Elizabeth Lame's mom cast. Okay. Um, but I don't I don't know what I can tell you about the, I walked by uh John Voigt, star of Baby Geniuses. Sure. Wearing a Anaconda very, One. Yeah. First a, Anaconda a nice film. Scarf. Is that how it's referred to now? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I have the on the Blu-ray on the DVD cover. It said a cover. It said Anaconda on Mm -hmm. the Blu-ray cover. It says Anaconda One because you want to watch the collection. Don't have it. You're like, I don't know. Is this searching for the Blood Orchid? Is there going to be a Blood (laughs) Orchid in this? I don't know. Um, My wife got to take a picture with Jewel McHale, who was very kind about it, and suggested that they do the prom pose where he stood behind her with his arms encircling her. That's cute. I keep an eye on McHale though. Did he get a boner? I can only assume. Yeah. I hope so. I told Sarah that uh, if Timothy Oliphant was there for any reason, that she had my permission to go to him. <laughs> Although, I mean. Oh, I so Oliphant's, Oliphant's her hall pass? Yeah. I, uh, He's a handsome man. I mean, I might. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying that's a bad choice. No. It's just, it, it's an interesting one. Timothy Oliphant, I heard on Fresh Air one time, and it occurred to me that if you're that handsome and magnetic. Mm hmm. Like, he is an example of one of those. Remember when uh, Craig Kilborn used to host the Late Late Show? Mm-hmm. And when he couldn't get a guest, he would just have this beautiful woman on. <laughs> like, like two-thirds, like half of the guests on the Late Late Show were just a beautiful woman you've never heard of. Like a model or just like right. someone, like the third down the list on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue list. So or, he was using this as a dating service. Essentially. Well. But these women, you would you would hear them talk to him. One of the fatal flaws of the program <laughs> was that you would hear them talk to him, and you're like, they they've never had need to talk mm. effectively. Yeah. They've had need to talk to convey their needs and sure. wants. Yeah, they but, point they point to food items, <laughs> <laughs> but they've never had. And I felt like as I was listening to Timothy Oliphant, I was like, maybe this guy's maybe that's what's going on with Timmy, Timothy really? Oliphant. Like he's so. Like, he's so stoic and handsome that people just do everything he needs Mm -hmm. just in case. And he just has to sort of monosyllable his way through the world. Okay, That's a little disappointing. I wonder that about Gosling, too, a little bit. Yeah. I wonder that, too, if, you know, so many of his performances are, you know, he's he's soft-spoken. He doesn't he doesn't say a lot. He's the strong, silent type. I wonder how much is actually going on. To a fault, too. Like, everyone really (laughs) loved Drive. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy Drive. Sure. But for the first, like, half of Drive. I was like, is this guy supposed to be developmentally disabled? Like, I can't read My thing it. with Drive is like, yes, he's handsome. Yes, he's intense. But he's rude. People are talking to him and he's not responding. Like think yeah. if you like walked into a situation and Ryan Gosling and Drived it, you would just – people would say, when are you going to be back tonight? And you would just go and turn around. Like no, like that's a, that's a sociopath. My yeah. – uh, my – Taylor, I was at my tailor, and uh, he apparently I saw one of those scorpion jackets. No, sure. On the thing, and I said, "Oh, is that one of those scorpion jackets from Drive, from the movie Drive?" <laughs> yes, yeah, he's like, "Yeah, we have a, we got a thousand of these after Halloween in 2010." Well, what he said was, "Yeah, we made the scorpion jackets for Ryan Gosling for mm-hmm. the movie because they do a lot of uh, wardrobe work." And he's like, and uh, and so they they gave us the rights to make them for people who want wow. them. He said, "Do you want?" He, and then he offered. He's like, "I could make one for you mm. if you like." And I thought, like, what normal human being could <laughs> go through the world wearing that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, it was the year Drive came out. It was the Halloween costume, you know. But yeah, just like hanging around and going to Trader Joe's in a scorpion jacket. Well, there's like, yeah, there's a guy who's like, "This is what has been." Missing. This is what's been holding me back 
from being Ryan Gosling. Sure. He's not having this scorpion jacket. Yeah. Because I remember, like, watching um, not even, like, a good Liam Neeson movie. It was, like, the one unknown. And, and oh, watching... sure. With, with him in January Jones? Yeah, and yeah. He has, like, amnesia or something. And he's wearing, like, this sweater and an overcoat. And I'm like, I, I really want, I want to wear those clothes. I want to, like, the, I love those clothes. I want to wear those clothes. And then I realized that the thing is, I'm not Liam Neeson. That's <laughs> sure. the missing yeah. thing. Not the fact that I don't have that sweater and, and coat. Yeah. Well, I think it's the classic dilemma of the dad who goes to Disneyland and buys the Indiana Jones hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not happening for you, Ace. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe before you bought the Indiana Jones hat, you should uh, you should take out the cell phone holster. <laughs> one, thing you, one thing you can lose. Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, he made the scorpion jacket. Obviously, yep. this, guy's, this guy's a talented dude. Can you... Do you think it's just maybe the scorpion that's ostentatious? Maybe just maybe another animal. Like a less impressive, like a lemur? Yeah, like sure. Like I mean, there's kitten. a lot. Right, or a cute kitten. I mean, an animal that's still powerful, but not maybe like known for deadly force, you know? Maybe like a taper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or a, so something with impressive a, physical strength. Sure, a hippo. Or like a, a but isn't poison like, frogs. Like sure. It's small, but it's got very powerful poison. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. If an ocelot was to eat this, he would be <laughs> kind of sick for a few days. Another weird thing, um, my tailor makes a lot of weird different, because the thing is, it's like, I think just if you're a tailor that makes custom clothing in Los Angeles and you're willing to do something weird, uh, which my tailor is Korean, and I think that's like in Korean tailoring culture, there's not like a you do it my way thing, which there is in British and Italian tailoring culture. And um, so if you're willing to make something weird, you just get wardrobe work because wardrobe people need people to make, you know, whatever. It's like my friend my friend Raul's mentor was famous for having made the crazy shoes for Star Trek, the motion picture. Like that was like a big thing, and like Did they have crazy shoes. Yeah, and even to this day, Raul Raul's old mentor is ninety and uh, uh, senile, lives in Mexico, but Raul still like gets orders from Star Trek fans that want him them to make him to make them thousand dollar pairs of crazy <laughs> Star Trek shoes from Star Trek the motion picture. But anyway, the crazy things that my tailor makes. Uh, number one, Prince's stage clothes, mm. which I don't know if you've ever seen the way Prince dresses, but it's a distinctive. It's a little, yeah. He's it's, known for being a little flamboyant, isn't he? It's the a kind purple of, color palette, I would yeah. say. It's the kind of clothes uh, that even Prince almost can't pull off. <laughs> is Prince in good shape these days? Prince is in great shape. Okay. No, Prince is... Uh, I guess the only, the most recent picture I saw of him was the one going around with him in the cane. At, at Wimbledon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but... But yeah, I guess I couldn't tell if he was. That was an affectation or something that was Prince was having... <laughs> required at Wimbledon. <laughs> Prince was having some hip problems at some point. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, but no, Prince is in Prince is in fantastic shape. Okay. No, no issues in that department. Sure. It's really just that he's, you know, I mean, he's a fifty-five-year-old man, mm-hmm. however old he is at this point, um, and. His taste may have been left behind a little. <laughs> sure. It, he may or may not currently dress half like Prince in 1986 and half like Steve Harvey in 2006. <laughs> you know, just just a little bit of each. 
Are you saying that Prince might be in some way cut off from the world <laughs> and not understand? I, I would dare not to suggest such a thing. But the most remarkable thing that my uh, tailor makes is uh, the vestments for the Church of Scientology. Wow. I bet those are some impressive vestments, too. I bet they want those to be uh, – I mean, they have to be ready in case the mothership comes, right? So those have to be space ready. Yeah. The – the the like one time I saw this crazy thing on his – you know, on his rack, because you know, just it, it's not a huge shop, so just whatever's ready is ready, and it's just on the rack. And, um, and I was like, What is this crazy? What is this thing here, Mr. Lim? Can you please tell me what this <laughs> is? And he said, It was not only was it a Scientology thing, it was for uh, David, what's his name, the king of the Scientologists. Oh, yeah, you great. Know that, you know the guy I'm talking about? Yeah, David something. Either of you guys, David Miss Miss Cabbage, Miss Cabbage, Miss, yeah. I, I, I think it's just Miss Cabbage <laughs> from the Miss Cabbage, yeah, from the land from of the, vegetables. Little, I don't know, Little Miss Cabbage, little, yeah, from Veggie Tales, yeah. Um, <laughs> Scientology Veggie Tales. So I guess I think it, that's what, yeah, maybe what Scientologists need is they need adorable, some sort of adorable CGI property to kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, just gently, kind of. Uh, 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 force their agenda. I was just this morning eating breakfast mm-hmm. at a restaurant that is across the street from one of the big Scientology centers in Hollywood, California. Mm-hmm. And this this one is like, I guess it used to be a hospital or something like that is my guess. Um, but it takes up an entire city block. And what's weird about it is the Scientologists all wear uniforms. All those Scientologists, I don't know what the specific function of this building is, but it's a huge building. And the Scientologists there all wear these uniforms that make them look like some kind of hotel steward, (laughs) I would say. And they walk out the front door, down the block, around the corner, and in the back door. It's like when – it's as though they were ants and the front door was where they lived and the back door there was a brownie. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Or a spilled milkshake. <laughs> like they do it in a sort of steady and constant stream that uh, the more I watched it as I was waiting to get a table in this restaurant, the more terrified I became. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it seems like they're they're just a few days away from organizing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Or from turning reached... their organization against us. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. They've already organized. Yeah. Like they're ready to go. Like whatever sure. needs to go down, mm-hmm. they're ready for it a hundred percent. Like the mm-hmm. most, the most, you know, serious, deeply committed, um, second coming is imminent evangelical Christian group. I think if you're real about it, forty percent ready. Sure. Or whatever goes down. Sure. You know what I mean? They've got some canned food. But they don't have epaulettes. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? There's no epaulettes there. <laughs> you think that whatever invasion or, what, or like rapture is going to be uh, shoulder-based? You think that, like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to escape through the shoulder. So you sure. Gotta yeah, you got to keep that. it in with uh... – You need a clear invisible chain of command is what sure. I'm saying. You, you want to know who's three-star, who's two-star, who's one-star <laughs> – when Xenu comes, <laughs> I don't have a sophisticated – I've got about as sophisticated an understanding of the precepts sure. of Scientology as I do of Polynesian. Uh, any Polynesian culture, <laughs> any given Polynesian culture. 
Okay, well, I think we've gotten off of the depressing subjects reasonably well. We'll come back, maybe talk a little more about what it was like at the Emmys in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. You know that feeling you get when you hear a song that you just love? What about a new movie or, or a new book or a new TV show? I'm Jesse Thorne. My show Bullseye points to the good stuff in popular culture, the kind of stuff that might change your life. In-depth interviews with cultural creators, critics' picks for the best new releases, and a weekly recommendation from yours truly. It's Bullseye with me, Jesse Thorne, from MaximumFun.org and NPR. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Dan McCoy, mournful sigh. Dan. Yeah. You're a beautiful man. Thanks. Um, so you said four hours the Emmys take? Yeah, it's uh, – y- you learn very quickly – or my wife especially learned that she had I think no fewer than three, possibly four power bars in her clutch. <laughs> um, and what, get- are the, what are the four hours in question? Oh God! Well, you have to understand. Like now, every uh, live action or live action um, nonfiction show has its stuff. Like there's the unstructured nonfiction shows, there's the structured nonfiction shows, and they've got all their technical categories. You got the special effects like categories. You got the makeup categories. All the all the the below the line stuff. Literally everything has an award for every different genre. And they also give you, like, when you walk in, one tiny, like, maybe four-ounce bottle of water that has <laughs> Emmys on it. And that's all of the liquid that you're going to get for the next however long. Which is good because you also don't want to have to get up and pee. Yeah, when do people get up? Is there, like, was there just, like, a moment when, like, you know, one guy and it was, the like, you know, like, uh, what's that American Idol guy? Uh, Simon Cowell? No, the main, the host guy. Uh, Ryan Seacrest. Like Ryan Seacrest gets up and everybody's like, okay, time to get up and go to pee. I mean, during the Creative Arts Emmys, honestly, it's a little looser. Like, people, everyone around me was checking their phone constantly. (laughs) Like, there was very little actual attention to what was going on on stage. But at the real ones, I know, you don't know when your category's coming up at all. Oh, yeah, sure. With Creative Arts, because we're... One of the more popular categories because we put together like a monkey reel of like the you know like the funny clips of all the writers. That's, a monkey reel is an industry term. Yeah, like I don't know. There was one, like this one year like Colbert's one was all of the writers like on Tinder and Colbert was swiping through like saying no no no. Like, oh, that's cute. And ours was like. Uh, a oh, you guys of, were puppets one year, weren't you? Yeah, we had uh, the whatnots. Muppets people make puppets yeah. of us. Um, and we had, like, this year was Bush's paintings. The, the names of people. <laughs> that's, no, that's great. But so if it's creative arts, like, ours is one of the bigger categories, so you kind of know that it's going to be at the end. Yeah. But when we were on the big show, I had no idea, and I really had to pee because I had first gone to the creative arts series the year before and knew how terrible it was, so I loaded up on as much beer as I possibly could <laughs> before going in, which was not a good So choice. you you were your, – your thinking was I want to go in there with a little I bit of a buzz. I want to go in there as loaded as you can get in sure. the one hour that the bar is open before Oh, interesting. So there open is a – cash bar. 
a cash bar. So there is a bar, Bullshit. but it's only there for a limited time. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And it's in heavy rotation, so you got. Wh- what are you paying for a beer at the at the Emmys? It's like a, these are beers like you would get at like a stadium. You're paying like six or seven bucks, but for like. A can large you beer. also get an ice cream sundae and a helmet? <laughs> you can't. You can get ice. Uh, you can get a. What do you uh, got to pay for? What do you got to yeah. pay for a red rope? <laughs> oh, you can't afford it. I guess I mean not to not to armchair quarterback you here, yeah. Dan. But I mean, was beer the best? I mean, if you're looking for a buzz, I mean, can you just do get three cocktails or a you know a couple of a big double or something like that? Was that not the better? But the better way to go? Rubbing alcohol, man. Yeah, sure. Well, um... Sorry, I mean, I know, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and... I guess you should have been nominated because you're superior drinking plans. (laughs) Yeah. Jordan. Instead of making me feel... I mean, I just lost an Emmy, but if you want to make me feel bad about my drinking strategies... I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sure... No, it's fine. Go ahead, guys. I'm sure my... I'm sure my... I'm sure I'll someday be recognized for my contribution to the hashtag war shark quotes. (laughs) (laughs) Any any year now. You're part of the same family, though. You're like, you know... Yeah. Us and then Colbert and then you. I'll say, I mean, I... I, I, In that order. I opened... (laughs) I I opened up... I opened up to you a little bit in the car, Dan, but I was not... Despite being a Comedy Central employee, I was not invited to the Comedy Central Emmy party. And uh, definitely felt a lot of social network-based jealousy last night looking at everybody. Wait, who gets invited and who doesn't? I don't know. Not me. That's bullshit. You know who gets invited? Dan. You know who doesn't get invited? Jordan. Uh It didn't seem to be a particularly, like, Comedy Central-centric crowd either. Like Cartman wasn't there. I saw uh, Scott Ackerman and uh, Ricky Lindholm there. Yeah, they're on a rival network. So, yeah. Bullshit. Everyone tweet at Comedy Central. You know what? No, don't. Now that I think of it, I've never been nominated for an Emmy. I hosted a television show for almost six months. Sure. And I hosted another television show that never went to series, but they did air the segments from it repeatedly over the course of several years. Do you think your controversial views about Israel might be (laughs) part of it? You know what I think it is? I think I probably just forgot to uh, send in the packet, right? Yeah. You know, or like just my people. Yeah. And to be fair, his controversial opinion about Israel is that they have funny voices. It's nothing about <laughs> their religion or is that it's located at their the policies. Pole. Yeah. It's that, it's that I think karate is way better than Krav Maga. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah. So four hours. When does it start? When does it end? Uh, we got in there at 3.30 and um, yeah, about 7.30 I guess would have been the – so then what do you do? You, you go, go to, to Musso and Frank's? You go to the Governor's Ball, which is you just walk down the block. And you walk in, like, the, the, you know, it's a big place. You get dinner. There's music and dancing and an open bar. So there's the open bar. Is, uh, is the governor there? No. Or The governor of uh, Missouri is there, and you get to throw things at him. <laughs> <laughs> you really fucked this one up! Uh, yeah. No, we walk, like, the, it was weird. The theme this year was, I mean, like, they usually tell you what the theme is on the tickets and one year it was romantic rhapsody in red hmm. one year it was enchanted forest and Wait, this year you're this isn't real no, this is <laughs> this is not real 
Dan McCoy, you're just recalling <laughs> your homecoming dances from high school. So romantic. So the the two examples were those yeah. two examples real? The actual ones. Romantic Rhapsody in Red is kind of nice in general. Sure, it has a color and just kind of a general vibe. Yeah. Enchanted Forest seems like you should be wearing antlers. It basically that seems way more specific. It had like sort of like fake crystals all over the place, mm-hmm. like a forest that might be, you know, an ice queen may have come through and touched something and turned it all <laughs> sure, to frost. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this year... But you're not expected to dress according to you that. You don't have to wear elf ears. Yeah, I had to take off my tux yeah. and in between put on a doublet. <laughs> there was no theme on the ticket, but the theme seemed to be lasers. <laughs> Locked in. It was all... Smoke machines and lasers, and it's like, oh, well, now we're at a Floyd concert after uh, four hours of that. Sure, yeah. Smoke a little smoke a little dude behind the governor's ball. and I like that the governor's ball is doing like a 1987 yeah. type thing. It did seem that maybe it was like there was some sort of gay pride theme because there, uh, there were rainbows on the wall, and, and, uh, but I, w- I was kind of unclear as to what <laughs> Gays love lasers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they call them gazers. <laughs> They're starting to call them that. It delighted me more than it probably should have. <laughs> yeah. What are, they, what are, are we, You're like, you know what? I wish, I wish someone would say the world's most obvious joke. <laughs> is dinner is dinner at the uh, at the gay pride Emmys? What's it called? The Governor's Ball. Yeah. Are we talking about beef, chicken, fish, vegetarian? Yeah, I. Well, that's I think buffet. You, you it's uh it's served to you, but I think that if you want something that's not. The main thing you have to ask for specifically. Kosher like, option. Halal. Well, it, was, it was a beef. It was the main dish. And I kind of like – I have to imagine that in a Hollywood crowd, there's going to be a shit ton of vegetarians there who are specifically having like – I think maybe you know, when, you're, when you're getting into like acting Emmys. Yeah. Maybe, maybe more so. But creative <laughs> arts. Right. That's a bunch of slobs. <laughs> beef eating slobs. Thanks. <laughs> uh, no, it was, you know, it was salad. It was beef. It was some weird ice cream thing. Oh, that's nice. What was it? What kind of weird ice were we talking about? Like fried Alaska? It's, that's uh, fried ice cream. It's pretty weird. It's got. It's one of those things where like there's layers. It's so, like mm. like it's nested layers of ice cream and cookie and whatever. And now you say it's weird. That sounds pretty good to it me. Sounds pretty good. I mean, I, look, I've never been nominated for an Emmy, so I mm. wouldn't know. The actual like the thing is the actual details of this, other than lasers, is pretty boring. I'm realizing <laughs> as we're talking about it. Oh yeah, definitely. You should have led with ice cream cookie combination. <laughs> yeah, and then when lasers. when you saw it starting to drift off, then you're like, oh, by the way, it was covered in gay lasers. <laughs> Does Joel McHale come to that party too? No, that's where yeah, that's where we got the. I, I don't know whether like these are like secrets of the governor's ball that I'm not supposed to be revealing, but I if they are, they, it, you'd think they'd be better. Yeah, <laughs> there are. Um, there's it some... seems like like oh, and then there's you know like, oh, and then there's a party. Yeah, and then the jo- and that party is what you would expect. Yeah, and then the Joker comes in, he snaps a pool cue in half, <laughs> throws it on the ground, and makes everybody fight for the remnants so they can beat each other. Yeah. No, the weird thing about um, the thing is that like at, at every table. They give you a list of everyone who's there mm-hmm. and the table that they're at. Oh, so, so you can go check them out. Yeah, celebrity stalking. So. Oh. Well, did you see anybody? You saw you saw Mikhail. Did you hunt down anybody else based on your list? Uh, I didn't hunt down anybody else. I saw people milling around. I saw Jenny McCarthy at one point. I saw Kate Mara. Well, you got to get a picture with Jenny McCarthy. She's one of the worst people in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> interesting that Jenny McCarthy – interesting how – People just stay famous enough to go to that stuff, you know? It's because, like, although I guess she's still on TV, right? 
I don't know. Her, t- she's not on the View anymore. She was on the View, but she she got she got the boot, right? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Hard I to really, say. I really hope I actually saw Jenny McCarthy and not just random <laughs> Hollywood star woman with enormous breasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I just had this vision of Jenny McCarthy listening to George Jesse go as she does every week. Sure. And I, I just made her feel really bad when yeah, I said well, she was one of the worst people on earth. Yeah. She like, isn't actually well. probably one of the worst people on earth. But like throwing down. Her she's iPod a, she's doing her best. She's just yeah. doing a bad job. Sure. Yeah. No, she's terrible. But she's okay. She's great. <laughs> I uh, dated a girl once who um, one of her favorite, legitimate favorite movies was the movie Jenny McCarthy made uh, called Dirty um, Work. Dirty Love. Oh yeah, Dirty Love. Dirty Love. Dirty clearly, work was the Norbert Tuttle. Yeah, Norbert they were clearly trying. That's to, one of my favorite yeah. movies. They were clearly trying to capitalize off the amazing success of Dirty Work. Like, how can we get some of this heat? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, one of the scenes from Dirty Love, and you could tell—I don't know—like just watching it. I mean, it's a—it's a—it's a wretched movie, and you could tell the kind of the idea was like, oh, let's make our something about Mary, you know, like let's put in as many gross-out moments as possible. And there's one scene where Jenny McCarthy goes to the supermarket and gets her period, and just she just launches blood all over the floor, and then is like slipping in the blood, like. A Three Stooges villain <laughs> will slip on pies, and it's just this crazy thing. Of, and it's like it's not, it's not you, you're not it's not explained that maybe Jenny McCarthy has a super period, or if like why <laughs> why she's bleeding so much and why it's gushing all over the place or and causing her an, to slip. An injury that's been aggravated by getting her period. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's just this crazy. There's crazy ca- cartoon version of human biology going on with no <laughs> my, explanation. My old foot, my old football trick, <laughs> my trick vagina. <laughs> oh, I can tell it's gonna rain because I'm my trick vagina is acting. Blood. Yeah, sure. Now I've actually <laughs> like I've, the like the bed in Freddy Krueger one. Was, sorry, I've actually seen this movie. Yeah, but I don't remember anything about it. I blocked it from my mind. Did yeah, you, do you know an that's an episode of your hit show, The Flophouse. No, about I, it? I, we did not. Although you my just, friend Stewart and I watched it recreationally. It together, <laughs> recreationally. Yeah, but I, I have to ask, having forgotten, yeah, everything about. The I movie. will say, I think that's all I remember. But go ahead, maybe okay. I'll have, maybe I'll have another. Does the scene end with a stock boy going? Clean up on aisle four. <laughs> it should. Okay. So someone knows that. Was there anyone? Did you like go through the list with like a with like a pen? Because I'm imagining you taking the list. In my mind, by the way, it looks like the roster from my middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got a pencil behind your ear. You take it out, lick the tip, mm-hmm. and then you start checking people off that you want to and crossing people out that you don't want to. <laughs> And you say, "Gotta collect them all." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were there any Pokemon? <laughs> uh, Bulbasaur did not show up. He only goes to Fucking the main enemies. Bulbasaur is such a snob. Yeah. Oh, I hate that sore. Yeah, but Pikachu is a real man of the people, a real Pokemon of the yeah. people. <laughs> now you know what? I actually I was talking to Pikachu the other day <laughs> about Hillary Clinton's possible run for president. Sure. And I said to him, what do you think about this? You know, she seems like she wants to break from Obama, but at the same time take credit for her work in the Obama administration. And you know what he I He said something that I thought was really trenchant. Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it coming down the road, but then it would make me de- less delighted. <laughs> 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 
Don't get me started on uh, Groot's speech on tort reform. <laughs> so did uh, – was there anyone there that you were personally excited to – I mean, Joel McHale's great. And Joel McHale is a, also a uh, – in addition to being really funny and stuff, he's a very nice dude too. And I've met him in like similar circumstances yeah. to that. And I was like, this guy's a nice guy. Good work, Joel McHale. Um one of the presenters uh, was Judy Greer, and I would have dearly loved to have uh, met her, but I think she cut out before the governor's ball. Yeah, Greer's got places to be. She's got yeah. other stops to make. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, when Judy Greer was on uh, Bullseye not that long ago, uh, she ended the interview without me asking for it mm-hmm. by saying, say goodbye to these. <laughs> uh, she knows, yeah, she knows yeah. what people want to hear. Uh, Judy Greer's a princess. She's a yeah, sure. she's a solid gold dancer as far as I'm concerned. I mean I'm glad I'm have you been I've enjoyed her new show, but I'm also glad that she's in, sort of in a starring role in a new show because yeah. she's always been relegated to like the goofy sidekick and things. And it's amazing it's amazing, yeah, just a great example of how like in mainstream things they have to get the most attractive person in the world to play the goofy person. Right. Well that's yeah, I was like just the whole world has the world gone mad? Can only I see that she's gorgeous? <laughs> sure, I know. Yeah, I, that's how I feel. I, I'm really one. Of the thing that I think I like the most about that show. Well, I like a lot of things about that show. I want, one of the things that I like about that show is that one of my best friends is on it. Sure. Um, but one thing that I thought was really cool about it was that both of the leads, not just Judy Greer, but also Nat Faxon, mm-hmm. are these people who are so great, so talented, so funny, yeah. so, such good actors. Um, and both are gorgeous, but in like a slightly hu- more human way. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, their humanity has uh, pre- has precluded them from being the star of anything. Right. You know, like if you see Nat Faxon walking down the street, you're like, get a load of that fucking hunk. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And same with Judy Greer. You're like, what a freaking babe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so call us, yeah. you guys. We're putting it out there. 206 984 fun Leave a message. That's our number. Okay. Or if, you know, you're in the grocery store and an old woman farts or something. Mm-hmm. That's a another good reason to call. Yeah. The oh, number. speaking of which, we'll but be back. But also if you want to have sex with us. <laughs> we'll be back with momentous occasions <laughs> in just a second. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every Tuesday, we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, a show about all the dumb, weird, terrible ways that we've tried to fix each other over the years. You know, some light summer listening. Maybe you want to hear about yogurt enemas, or why we tried to eat mummies for a while, or why drinking cholera diarrhea sounded like a good idea. That and so much more is waiting for you every Tuesday right here on the Maximum Fun Network with Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Uh, Jordan Morris, boy detective. Dan McCoy, mournful sigh. I have to say, we just got delivered some mm-hmm. breaking news. Some bombshell news in more ways than one. <laughs> 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 
I I am still processing this news. Um, our intrepid engineer and producer Jennifer was quick on the draw and used the power of the internet to find out why Jenny McCarthy was at the Emmys. Mm-hmm. And it's because she and Donnie Wahlberg are not only an item, but a very serious item. And Donnie Wahlberg was nominated for an Emmy for his reality show, The Wahlbergers. <laughs> what category is that in? So I just want to tip my... Uh, Outstanding Unstructured Reality. Doff. Outstanding Unstructured Reality program. So I doff my cap to the entertainment industry. <laughs> Long may it rain. <laughs> Good work, America, for supporting all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Their uh, relationship, you mean? Just the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Their whole deal from the Wahlburgers to mm-hmm. keeping people from getting vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> Just the whole operation. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. Everything under that umbrella. So is structured reality show mean like a game show type show and unstructured means a show that's written by writers? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And uh, I was just thinking, like, Hardwick was nominated for At Midnight's interactive thing. Yeah, yeah. they ran into each other and were kind of awkward with each other? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I I know that uh, for At Midnight, we have written some jokes about Jenny McCarthy, and he is perfectly fine delivering Uh, them. So, yeah, I think it's it's a thing where they probably haven't talked in a long time and – Probably don't sure. care to. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, uh, I will. I will also say about Chris that um, you know he's been on. Uh, he's been on the Sound of Young America a few times over the years, and you know when I do that, a lot of times I read a lot of interviews with him. He is always exceedingly gracious mm-hmm. about Jenny McCarthy. It's not like they have a feud or anything mm-hmm. like sure. that. Like I mean, Chris is a pretty publicly gracious guy now behind closed doors. <laughs> a monster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a. <laughs> No, like Chris is a gracious guy, but I, I, you know, I don't think there's any static between right. them just because Jenny McCarthy has weirdly transformed into whatever it is that she is, um, and he has had swan. such, and he has had, yeah. such, <laughs> right? He has had such lovely success. Yeah, sure. Um, I wish unstructured. I wish like the other <laughs> nominees in unstructured reality show were all like. Uh, verite documentaries, like like sure. uh, salesmen, right, <laughs> or whatever. Anything by the Maisels, really. Yeah, anything Maisel. <laughs> that should be the that should be the category. Anything Maisel. Yeah. Um, Dan, what what is the most memorable film that you recently watched for your uh, hit podcast, The Flophouse, in which you, you watch films that are uh, have reputations for being uh, less than uh, superb. Uh, jeez. They all go out of my brain almost immediately, honestly. <laughs> I watched... Yeah, it's interesting. I think you guys... Something that I like a lot about the show is that it's not like talking about an incompetent movie like, you know, Birdemic or something like right. that. But it's just a movie that kind of came and went that you were maybe curious about but couldn't bring yourself to see. And then mm-hmm. you get a synopsis of it and some great jokes about it. So, yeah, it's, it's I feel like a lot of times the movies are just kind of these... These weird flashes or something like that. Yeah, the ones that – I mean the ones that do stick in your head are the ones that are kind of outliers for us, the ones that we 
pick just because they're so fascinating looking and not actually yeah. big Hollywood films like Food Fight or something. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I love the, the Food Fight episode. That's a great one. What was Food Fight? Food Fight's this movie where, like, someone saw Toy Story, basically, and was like, oh, the idea of, like, toys coming to life. That's very charming. Uh, you know what else kids love? All of their favorite branded characters from the supermarket. So what we're going to have <laughs> is when the lights go down at the grocery store, all the food characters <laughs> come out to play. Wait, and, like, yo, like Toucan Sam? Yeah. The gr- Jolly Green, is the Jolly Green Giant involved? Uh, I think he and is. And Sprout? Sprout. Like, the thing is, like... They could not get a bunch of actual branded characters. Like, they wanted to. They, I think they thought, like, this will help pay for the movie. We'll have a, a synergy here. But there's almost no ones that you recognize. Like, Twinkie the Kid shows up at one point, I think. But otherwise, it's just terrible, like, anime. Like, and they, like, released it unfinished, too, right? Like, it's... <laughs> they started <laughs> making it, and the animation uh, all got stolen halfway through making it so to redo the whole thing. Wait, it got stolen? Yeah. Yeah. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> Someone broke in. It's like, hmm. Well, this, uh, who cares about this expensive animating equipment? I'm going to take these, <laughs> these decks of tapes that have all the uh, yeah. information on it. Wow. Okay. When something momentous happens to you, like, for example, half of your movie gets stolen, <laughs> we ask you to call us at 206-984-4-FUN. Let's go to the calls. Uh, hi, Jordan. Hi, Jesse. Hi, guests. My name is Josh uh, from Marietta, Georgia. Uh, I have a momentous occasion. I am at a Walmart where they have some $5 CDs, and among them is Miley Cyrus's Bangers. Uh, um, a little girl walked up to the CD bin without even skipping a beat, pulled it, reached in, and pulled it out and said, Look, Mommy. And her mom said to her, I will punch you in the face. And she said, no, you won't. And her mother said, yes, I will, and started walking away. And it was pretty great. I liked it. Good job, Mom. Um, thanks. I love the show. Bye. <laughs> Whoa! We're an endorsement yeah, of Yeah, right? Whoa! I mean, I guess I guess I agree that a five-year-old probably shouldn't should be. Should, should know better. <laughs> You're too old for Miley Cyrus. That's for four-year-olds. Yeah, wow. Have you had to? Have you had to go to that? Those lengths with the kids yet? Have you had to threaten to? to you know, them? have yeah, I hit any of my give them give them a dead leg or? You know, if they talk back to me. Yeah. You know, you got to teach them a lesson once in a sure. while. No, I hey, purple nurple fix that back talk. Children don't. You, they really like. So far, my my older son's three now. Mm-hmm. Anything that the, that he's interested in, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has no autonomy. <laughs> like I'm sure by the time he's five, you know, he'll be he'll talking start to about subscribe to magazines. His, he'll be talking about <laughs> things with his peers. Yeah, he'll be getting FHM. Sure. Uh, but like right now. Like, what does he like? The Big Bird movie. <laughs> you know? It's because I bought it at, at the thrift store on DVD for a dollar. I was like, yeah, the Big Bird movie. Yeah, Simon can watch the Big Bird movie if he wants to. You know what I mean? Um, I do I do have to say that um, 
I don't think I'm built for Yo Gabba Gabba. Uh, we've talked about this before. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it's – I think it's sure. for a different person yeah. who is also a parent. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's just – you know, I think what it is is that I think when you – it seems like when you become a parent, you automatically have to ingest – Tons and tons of kid stuff, you know, that you wouldn't normally be ingesting. And I think Yo Gabba Gabba, you know, hipster parents like it so much just because it has a little gleam of coolness in it. So, you know, they don't feel like they're watching. Yeah. I, it's so funny. I, I got together with some uh, two high school buddies recently who both have um, – they both have two-year-olds and then like three-months-olds. And then, you know, we couldn't go out. And do something because of the kids. So I just kind of came and visited and they had the three months old on their laps and we all just sat around talking while Despicable Me played in the background for the other ones to, you know. So I think that you just have to ingest all that stuff all the time. So when something is like a little bit cool, you're like, oh, fucking finally something that – yeah. So I think that's why Yo Gabba Gabba is so, you know, beloved by hipster parents. There's some stores in like – there's a slew of stores in Brooklyn where it's, you know, basically like you get – I don't know. You get your your greeting cards there, and your homemade wrapping paper, and also like some old tin toys, sure, and like a book about brewing your own moonshine, <laughs> right? And I feel like Yo Gabba Gabba is like that store was made into a children's uh, show. Yeah, I I'll tell you what show I do like uh, that's that is like a contemporary show. Uh, there's a show called, and I don't. I totally don't hate Yo Gabba Gabba at all. I don't regret introducing it to him at all. Uh, it has a lot of uh, fun things on it. Um, but uh, there's a show that's produced by the people who used to produce Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood called Daniel Striped Tiger's Neighborhood or Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know why. If so, something funny came up. Uh, I forget what I was watching, but a commercial for the Daniel Striped Tiger uh, event one hour event where they have a new baby came on. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, wow, there's a lot going. And then I guess maybe it was I was listening to. You're hanging out watching Frontline. Never. Yeah, I was probably at yeah, Frontline. I forget what I was watching. Uh, American Experience. I don't know. Yeah. Old Huel Housers. Uh, anyways, and I then I heard on Pardo that the Daniel Striped Tiger is a Mister Rogers spinoff. Yeah, it is. It exists in the neighborhood of Mister Rogers. Mister Rogers is not a character in it. The main character is Daniel Striped Tiger. Um, but Dan, but Daniel Striped Tiger has parents in this mm-hmm. who are also tigers, um, and it's animated. Uh, and what I like about it is that it is, uh, it has a, it has these little songs, um, and the songs are like totally within the ability of my child to grasp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they totally actually help us teach him to like behave and be good in the world. Um, like they're actually, you can tell they're like really research driven and functional and it's a very sweet. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> like, let's be clear. It's for two year olds and three year olds. You know what wait, I mean? Wait, are you, are you mad? Do you think people are watching Yo Gabba Gabba without kids? No, I think they're watching it with their kids. Yeah. I, I think that there's a, I think that part of what Yo Gabba Gabba is, is this thing like, oh, it's, it's for parents and kids mm-hmm. together. Like I watched, I, you know, we don't sit my son in front of the TV a lot, but you know, I, I'm, you know, I like seeing Bismarcky. Sure, I think it's I think it's fun when uh, Mark Mothersbaugh draw, draws something. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's fun, um, and it has fun songs too. You know, uh, but I I like how 
sort of sweet and functional it is. I kind of like how it's not cool at all. Does not care if mm-hmm. it's cool. Uh, but it's also not fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's the other thing. Is so many of these shows are so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, insulting. Like, they just take the fact that you can entertain a little kid with almost anything that's moving on a screen and just use it to just warp their little brains. <laughs> Could, uh... Will the, would the kids not sit still for an Adventure Time? No, I think Adventure Time's pretty far ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think Adventure Time, they're going to have to be five or six before. Gotcha. Because yeah, Adventure Time really is for like a 10-year-old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I think, you know, a six-year-old could watch Adventure Time and get something out of it. Cause sure. Adventure Time is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adventure Time is a really wonderful thing. But a little kid, they, they only get certain things out of things. You know, I mean... If it was stupid programming, would you respect it more if it had kind of integrity about that? Like whether – you know, if someone just pointed like a camera at someone like jingling some keys at the screen, like, well, I mean, you know, it's honest about what it is. It's just movement and, and sound. I mean it's not a bad idea. We just throw some sugar cereal commercials in there and, you know, I think I think we got a pretty solid business model going, yeah. Dan. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I mean it's a, it's, a, it's a sweet thing. That's what I like about it. And then we watch – we watch Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street together, and I don't try not to watch the Sesame Streets with Elmo in it because Elmo you guys, makes me feel you guys, crazy. You guys going to watch the uh, Daniel Striped Tiger one hour new baby movie? It sounds like something we should check out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sounds not gonna... like the TV event of the season. We watch it on the we watch it on the Amazon <laughs> Sharknado too. Yeah, right. Everybody's going to be live Brandon. tweeting uh, Daniel Striped Tiger new baby. We have one more call. Let's hear it. Hey, Jordan, Jesse, and guest. This is Shannon from Houston with a momentous occasion. Um, my husband is always trying to lose weight and doesn't want me to keep anything fattening in the house. And he is notorious for coming home and digging into the pantry and finding some strange thing to eat. So this afternoon I come home and he's in the pantry and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I don't have an Oreo. And I said, we don't have any Oreos. And he's like, no, no, here we do. They're the, these are the Oreos. Well, they were dog treats. <laughs> <laughs> we both were laughing so hard. And then he had this horrified look on his face and he said, I ate six. So... It was pretty momentous and thought you guys might get a kick out of it. Um, good job. I, Have a good day. Bye. I'm concerned about this lady's husband. I feel like you've got to get this guy to a hospital because something has happened to <laughs> yeah. his taste buds. Yeah, get your husband to the hospital, Betty Magoo. <laughs> there's some brain aneurysm has taken Jeez, out. Jeez, yeah. Because there's no way that those things taste like chocolate. That's That's crazy. <laughs> Chocolate is poisonous to dogs. Yeah. That would be the opposite of what it would taste yeah. like. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, the opposite of the poisonous thing is what is good for someone. I just, I'm just i ready to invite Sharon on Jordan Jesse Go as a guest just so we can listen to her talk. Yeah. What a mellifluous voice. Cool yeah. drawl. Oh, I love a nice drawl. Mm-hmm. Nice lady drawl. Bring that on the program. <laughs> yeah, I like a gentleman drawl too. You get Wade Goodwin on the radio for me. Sure. NPR's Wade Goodwin. I'll, yeah, I'm in. Wade Goodwin in, in uh, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, you bet. You bet your buttons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just get some drawl and some Judy Greer. Six is a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, the good thing is uh, he got all of his uh, medicine in that. <laughs> sure, yeah. He'd hidden the for, medicine yeah, inside. His worms place. medication. <laughs> He's not over-grooming anymore. Um, okay. If you have a momentous occasion, uh, 
Give us a call, 206-984-4FUN, 206-984-4FUN, or email it to us at jjgo at maximumfun.org. The easiest thing to do is just take out your phone right now and put in the number, because you remember it right now, 206-984-4FUN. And then when something momentous happens, you'll be ready to go. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morse, boy detective. Dan McCoy, mournful sigh. Dan, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you. Did I, when this is released, did I make it in for the end of Anal August? Did that, or is it going to be after? This will, this be, will yeah, be, yeah, during Anal mm-hmm. August. So I, I slipped it in at the tail end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> did you have that, did you have Dan McCoy <laughs> written on your palm <laughs> on the airplane? You're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Dan, honestly, you lubed it up so much I didn't even notice. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um, Dan's smash hit podcast is the flop house, uh, the terrible, the ignored, uh, the not well remembered. Exactly. The never noticed. Yeah. At uh, flophousepodcast.com. And I think you should listen to it for a variety of reasons, some of which will be revealed in a few weeks, some of which are just because it's great. Thank you. Um, Dan McCoy, also uh, the music artist between behind the uh, legendary disco hit, The Hustle. So <laughs> congratulations. Sure. Yeah. You would think it could just live on the royalties of that. Yeah. I've mean, got a second career as a television writer. Sure. And he looks great. You just like to work, you know? Yeah. Honestly, a little paler than you did back then. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but uh, congratulations on all your success in the field of music. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. Uh, if you want to talk about the show, forum.maximumfun.org is a great place to go. Hashtag it. JJ Go on Twitter. Uh, join us on Facebook. We got a Facebook group, and a lot of fun on the Max Fun Reddit every week. You know, a lot of times people post up uh, twenty, forty, fifty different comment discussions. You know, it's it's not just uh, Lathreeper. A lot of fun folks. It's all kinds of fun people. You know, up there in the Maximum Fun. No, it's uh, Reddit.com/r slash Maximum Fun for that, forum.maximumfun.org for the forum. Um, and, hey, you know, you can go up there in the ready. You can probably see a picture of a guy's fucking race car that he put the Max Fun <laughs> logo rockets on. So uh, stick that in your pipe and smoke it, assholes. <laughs> in closing, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> wow. That message courtesy of Dan McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> First, first you uh, surprise me with your sad, heartfelt tale, and then a little libel at the end. <laughs> Jen Marmer on the boards this week. Our producer is Brian Fernandez. If you want a T-shirt, go to maxfunstore.com. We'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.